he's writing um, around 85 to 90 AD, to the best of our knowledge. And I just like to think of this book as coming out of a lifetime of, of thought and love and um, just letting, letting things uh, mellow and think and, and slush around in his mouth as he, he wonders and marvels at, at what he's been through. And what, what is this all about? And who, who is Jesus? And uh, what was this all about? And so we have uh, this great book called John. Um, and if you want to get more out of, out of the studies together here, uh, that's easy to do. And one w way would be to read it with me. I know some of you do that. Read it along uh, with us uh, as we go through it. Um, that would be really helpful. Let me read the text uh, this morning. We're, we started it last week, and I'm kind of uh, continuing on in the very earliest start. Uh, this will, for some of you, it'll, this, in fact, that's the same exact slide we started with last week. I mean, <laughs> I do that a lot. I start a sermon, and it ends up being four or five sermons, but uh, the, the, the water is deep. The water is deep, and there's plenty of, of uh, good, fresh water. The Hebrew word for drink is shafah. I love that. It has nothing to do with this study because it's not written in Hebrew. But I did study a lot of Hebrew in seminary, and I like the word shafah. As you can imagine, a parched desert scene of a nomad coming to fresh water. Drink shafah. So here is John 1, and I will read. I'm going to read the whole um, preface, the whole prelude uh, to this gospel. It's verses 1 through 18, and we're just going to touch on the first few verses again today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, 
glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. Father, in your kindness and grace, oh, Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us in your Son, the Word. And Lord, may he make you known today. May he explain you. May he exegete you to us, O oh Father, so that we would serve you better, we would love you more, we would know you more, we would be encouraged, and ultimately, Lord, we want to do what we're made for, to glorify you and enjoy you forever. Uh, so, Father, uh, in, in our little time together, we, we praise you for this moment, this peace, the, the infrastructure that gives us this moment. It's all from you. Uh, even our health, our, uh, breath, oxygen in the air. It's all from you. So, for, Father, please, oh, Father, uh, use it for your glory. May you be glorified. And we always pray, always and only, through Jesus, the righteous one. Amen. Amen. So, I'd say uh, in uh, Northern California ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical history, uh, this week has been a little bit remarkable. Ecclesiastical is a fancy word for church. It's based on the Greek word for church. Uh, why? Well, the Washington Post and most uh, big newspapers around the United States have carried uh, news articles about a church in San Francisco Bay Area. It's called Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. Why is that? Because they took an amazing, an amazingly bold move this past week which will cost this congregation close to $9 million. They've got a little bit bigger budget than we do. <laughs> um, what is that move? Well, they've been working on this a long time. The pastor is a, a pastor named John Ortberg, working on this for a long time, praying about it, thinking about it, really fighting it through. Uh, but they decided they had to leave the uh, Presbyterian Church USA, PCUSA. And um, they, they had a vote. <laughs> I have a friend who goes there. They actually tried to vote on this last November, I think it was, and the powers that be outside their church had the uh, ability to come in and stop the congregation from actually taking a vote. Wow. 
but they had a vote this uh, recently in the last seven or eight days and it was 93 percent in favor of this action that's huge it's amazing and um, Menlo Park Prez is a very big church in the middle of the peninsula, um, kind of south of San Francisco. It has a big impact. They have a couple of campuses. But the, they wrote a rationale for this big move. And it, I read this in the Washington Post from March 5th. And I was just really shocked at uh, the leadership of Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, uh, shocked at what they, what they said here. And again, my... Uh, you know, my source here is Washington Post, quoting them. Uh, but they said this. This is the rationale for why this congregation needs to do this. Surprisingly, there are many PCUSA ordained pastors who do not believe, for example, in the deity of Christ or in salvation through faith in Christ. It's incredible. You have a big, you know, Presbyterian church. We're a Christian church. And many of the, the pastors don't believe in John 1 1. The rationale states, citing a 2011 PCUSA survey that suggested 41% of these are pastors uh, of, uh, in their congregation, in their body, 41% agreed with the statement only followers of Jesus Christ can be saved. So you got 59% of their pastors proclaiming the gospel <laughs> but on the other side saying, by the way, it's not necessary. By the way, you don't really have to believe that. That's what it says. <laughs> yeah, it may be stunning and horrible. It is stunning and horrible. Uh, that's why it's kind of important to know the Bible. Uh, this is an insidious force that uh, attacks Christ's church. Yeah, let's go to Daniel 11. Let's look at the verses that say the evil one is lurking, watching for those who begin to be disloyal to the Holy Covenant. And he's looking to snatch them away. He wants to just destroy the testimony of the church, doesn't he? Absolutely, he does. We, oh, I was reading through um, Jude a couple of weeks ago, and Jude, I mentioned him, I think, last week, because I kind of like this on a personal level. He's literally the half-brother of Jesus, and he, he opens his little letter his whole life, we don't, honestly, we don't know anything about Jude. Uh, we don't know where he worked. We don't know how many people he, we don't know anything about it, like TV ministry. You know? <laughs> we don't know how many books he wrote. We, we really don't. We, all we know is 25 verses. Glory, though. Um, and, he, and he says this. He says, uh, uh, verse 3, Beloved, uh, although I was very eager to write to you, about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. Guess what? He's saying, guess what? I wanted to sit around and talk about how wonderful it is to be saved, and it is, but guess what? 
I have to tell you guys that we're in a battle. We have to contend. We have to be contentious. <laughs> we have to be ready for the attack. He says, I write to, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all. Yeah, I love that. The Greek word there is hapax. Once for all. The box has arrived. It says on it, one of one. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's open the box, okay? Let's figure out what God has given us. It's once for all, delivered, on time, worldwide. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Hallelujah. The once for all delivered to the saints. There's a lot in that. God works in our hearts to, to see the mystery. He's revealed the mystery to his saints. So, so if you believe this stuff, that's the work of God. Yeah, you say, hallelujah, thank you, God. Because uh, I'm naturally a rebel. I'm naturally, I don't want to believe this naturally. I mean, can we just sing? We had a man up here, you know, he looked like a nice guy. His name is Steve. He's, he's up there singing, I am a sinner. You know? <laughs> right? And we're just taking it in stride. Yeah, yeah we knew it, Steve. We knew it. We, we all thought so. <laughs> no, that's not what we thought. We said, yes, he speaks for me. He speaks for us. We're naturally born sinners. And so uh, it's delivered to the saints. Uh, this is not my sermon. This is the introduction. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't want to get your hopes up. <laughs> I'll get to it. Uh, um, but this is, this, is, this is it. He says, look at, uh, this is verse 4 of Jude. You know, I, I really, you know, I, want, I, I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, but I had to tell you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Why? For certain people have crept in. They're in the church. They crept <laughs> they came in secretly. You know, they, got, they came through the seminary. They got the master of divinity, perhaps a doctor of ministry. And they come in and, uh, boy, he says, they have crept in unnoticed who, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Uh, Jude has no misunderstanding about the sovereignty of God here. These folks that are doing the evil were, you know, pre-designated for this. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. See, one of the interesting things is when I read this little bit from the Washington Post, you, you would think, well, Menlo Park's leaving because the PCUSA, they're, they're, they're saying homosexuality is okay and they're caving in on a whole lot of social issues, Right? Yeah, they are. They are. But it goes deeper than that. Where, how did they get there? <laughs> and, and this is what Jude says. They, per, they pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master. Uh, the only, the Greek word here is despot. Uh, despote. <laughs> That's usually a dirty word in English. A despot is you know, kind of a power-hungry, arbitrary, uh, 
like, like the leader of, of North Korea kind of guy. He's a despot, right? But uh, Jude is saying, God, Jesus Christ is the master, the absolute sovereign, and they deny our only master, the Lord Jesus Christ. So why is it important for us to slow down and listen to John? It's, it's because this is the key issue. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, who is the Word? What is His nature? What is my relationship to Him? What is His relationship to the church? It's everything. So let's look at this together. We, um, I, I'm going to go quickly through the first couple of slides here because we did uh, uh, hit this last week for a little bit. Who is the Word? It says... Uh, the basic nature starts out with identifying the nature of Jesus Christ. And if you're saying, well, wait a minute, it says the word, the word, word. Well, remember down in verse 14, he said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's, he's absolutely thinking about Jesus Christ, uh, the guy he leaned up against during the Lord's Supper. That's, he's absolutely talking about him. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's, he's timeless. God created the categories of space and time instantaneously. He created these categories. He's, he's outside of them. And it's hard, for, well, hard. Okay, it's impossible for us to get that. <laughs> uh, but that makes him wholly other. He's different. He's timeless. He was, he was in the beginning. Um, that, that word, remember, it just means that he just existed out there. He was there. Um, he was in the beginning. He is information. He's the word. And I, I really uh, love this, uh, discovering this as I study this a little bit. Because, like I said last week, to me, um, a word is, is like a you know, water bottle. You know, or it's, a, it's a noun or a verb. It's a word. But, but really, this word, word means to lay things beside each other. Uh, so it's, it's not a word, it's, it's information. It's a, it's, it, like I said, it's like a bias in a good sense. It's, it's laid down in this way. It's, it's intelligent information. That's what Jesus is. And I quoted um, from 1885 a, a Welch preacher named John Sindillan Jones uh, writes in 1885, and, and this is well worth re repeating, God did not spend the everlasting ages in sublime, solitary, masterly inactivity. He had a word with him, equal to him, the reflex image of his own person. That God from everlasting loved is an idea with which we are all familiar enough. It is the prominent idea in the correlates Father and Son. You understand what he's saying? When we think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, we think there's a relationship there of love. They love each other immensely. And he says, we're familiar with that enough. But when John starts his letter, his book, he doesn't use the word Son. He uses the word Word. He says, but in the text... Jesus Christ is presented not as the Son, but as the Word. Accordingly, the main idea is not God as love, 
but God as mind. Not only God loved from eternity, by, by the way, he's not denying that God is love, right? You got you everybody's got that straight, right? Pastor denied that God was love today, and he preached against the Presbyterians. <laughs> That's all I heard. <laughs> um, no, he's not denying that. He's saying, uh, but it's not in this, that's not where John starts. Not only God loved from eternity, but God fought from eternity. He fought as intensely as he loved. Isn't that cool? Well said, John. Hence the word infinite as himself. You ever wonder why? Isn't it so marvelous to think, to put together a sentence once in a while, to say something and say, wow, that made sense. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> it's so rare for me to make sense. <laughs> uh, why is that? It's, it's, we are made in the image of God. We love information. It, it's, it's a part of who we are. It reflects our creator. And all of his creation, for heaven's sakes, friends, all of his creation reflects this in intense, infinite intelligence. Everything is information, as it turns out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a phenomenal reality of who God is and who Jesus Christ, the Word, is. The Word was with God the concentrated personal embodiment of all the divine thoughts. Close quote. So Jesus is information. He is the word. Jesus is with God. Now this is where we, get, we end up believing in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is complex. There's been a lot of deniers of the Trinity over the centuries of the church. And, and it's one of their most popular arguments is really, to me, I, I don't mean to be insulting. And I think, by the way, it's really obnoxious to try to win an argument by making fun of people. But I do it all the time. So, <laughs> but that's okay. But really, I mean, deep in my heart, I, I just I don't like that kind of reasoning because I'd rather engage them on a more thoughtful level, right? But, but one of the main arguments you'll hear that Jesus can't be God is, well, that, I don't understand that. Therefore, Jesus isn't God. It's too complex. Um, this has been, uh, honestly, a very old argument. And, and you've heard, if you've been a part of my preaching for a little while, you've heard my great intelligent response to that, and that is, I'm being cynical there. <laughs> and that is, honestly, I, I don't even... I don't desire to have a God that I can figure out. I mean, he's, he's wholly other. He's, he's different. He's, he's, there's a nice word, transcendent. He's above. He's bigger. He's God. God is different. He's more wonderful than we can ever imagine, and he is complex. So the this is the basic nature of the word. Uh, he, is, he is the beginning. He was in the beginning. He's timeless. He never had a beginning. Jesus Christ was in the beginning. He never had a start. He was not created. 
Uh, Jesus is information. Uh, that's why he came. He ends this prologue, verse 18, he has made him known. He's the communication from God. You want to you find out about God? You study Jesus. You know who Jesus is. Again, our, our world has warped this, and our culture has this big uh, swatch of people who say things like, well, I'm spiritual, I believe in God, but I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. It's, it's too complicated. I don't want to think about Jesus dying for me. I'm not going to stand up and say, I am a sinner. You know, it's embarrassing. I'm not a sinner. I'm okay. Born, what is it? Born right the first time? You ever seen that bumper sticker? Um, and, and, and so the Bible comes back on that really strong. Yeah. <laughs> really strong. And John's going to hammer that home over and over and over again. And, and you might say, well, why? Why do you have to be so dogmatic? Why is this important? Well, it's just like this. If you miss this, you miss everything. It's, it's the way to life. It doesn't even matter if you like who's preaching it or what cultural baggage is around it, you know, because the truth is the truth. And uh, so, verse 18, he has exegeted, he has uh, made God known. He is the Word, he is with God, God is complex, and Jesus is God. God is one and three. Okay, now we've got that all down, right? <laughs> no more questions about that. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, by the way, I remember last week I, I quoted some from the Athanasian, Athanasian Creed, and uh, it's very good, and I, if you look on our webpage on the left on news, there's a link called What We Believe. You click on that, and uh, there's our church statement, a covenant, a link to the London Baptist Confession of 1689, which is not light reading, but very wonderful. <laughs> a link to, I think, the Heidelberg. And then I put in the Athanasian Creed uh, for your reading pleasure. Uh, that's who Jesus is. Okay, so here's some, here's some uh, therefores, and uh, we want to get through this. Uh, since this is his basic nature, who are we talking about? Who is Jesus? What, what is he like? He has unlimited capability. We see this. Uh, he, he heals. He raises the dead. He knows what other people are thinking. He has unlimited capability. He has unlimited resources as God. He's never at a loss for words. <laughs> You'll see that too. He loves arguing with people. and He always has the upper hand. Um, he, he's had unlimited resources. He is the information source about God. You know, why is it important to not deny our only master, the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it not, why is it important to be a Christian church and have it backed by the Word of God thoroughly and fully without compromise? Because, it, again, he is the information source about God. You get other programming in there, it's, it's wrong. It won't work. It's, it's a, a malfunction. He is the information source about God. He is God, therefore. Okay. Now, here's some basic function in these first few words. And I'm thinking really about verse 3, 4, and 5. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I wanted to spend just a few minutes on this today with you, particularly verse 3 here. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is very clearly saying that Jesus was not created uh, because he made everything, and nothing was made that was made without him. He is uh, before all creation. He is the creator. And the Bible has a lot of information about creation. And I wanted to just spend a few minutes uh, looking at some of these verses together and thinking about some of the implications of this. And by the way, I'm, I'm almost sure, I, I, I'm sh let's just put it this way, in a general sense. If you're compromising on um, basic Christian morality and sexual morality in, in the Word of God, and if you're compromising on whether Jesus is the Savior for all and the only Savior, and if you're compromising on the deity of Christ, I can almost guarantee you you're starting to compromise on creation as well. Uh, they're not unrelated thoughts. Uh, Psalm 148 verse 5 says, Let them praise the name of Yahweh. See, he's the self-existing God, uncaused, unlimited. Uh, he's, he's all. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for he commanded, he spoke, and they were created. And it's like, just step back. This being has infinite power. What he says goes in whatever he says. <laughs> right? He commanded. He didn't suggest either. <laughs> yeah, you might try this. <laughs> That's how I give instructions, you know, because I have no idea what might work. <laughs> you, know, you know, let's try that. Maybe that'll work. Oh, it worked. Very good. He commanded. He's, he's the infinite source of thought and information. 